The dogs are kind of the catalyst. They're the spark yeah. that creates so much good. Will you do a favor for Freddy? A favor for Freddy? A favor for Freddy? My name's Michelle Wayland, and I'm the supervisor of the Prison Train Canine Companion Program. My background is actually in animal welfare. I worked at and managed a small rural shelter in the central mountains of Colorado for 10 years and was kind of bitten by the bug of animal welfare in that respect, doing adoptions and matching people with pets. And when this opportunity came up to work at this job, it was a wonderful kind of a mission. It felt very much like a calling. Not only are you, um, and everybody says that they love animals, but obviously animals come attached to people, to mm -hmm. human beings. And so to be able to help both at the same time is really a central calling to me. And I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this program. Can you please tell us a little bit about where you work and some of the programs that are incorporated in it? So the prison train program operates within correctional facilities. We actually have seven different facilities throughout the state. My office is down in our centralized headquarters for the program, which is in Canyon City. And we operate in all corners of the state. Male and female offenders train our dogs and I supervise the program and we have instructors that I oversee. And they work with the handler teams in the facilities to train dogs. Who created this program and what was their catalyst for doing so? Originally, the program started back in 2002. It was initially intended to be a socialization program for a service dog organization that was looking to place puppies and dogs that they were trying to raise and train to be service dogs into an environment where they could be fostered and cared for and get a lot of intensive socialization. Mm -hmm. And it started at the old Colorado Women's Correctional Facility here in Canyon City, which has, has long been decommissioned. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was initially started by Deb Stevens. She was the lady that created the program and developed it with the Colorado Correctional Industries director at that time, and they came up with this, this idea that offenders could work with dogs, and there was so many benefits to that. So that's where it all started. Are there different programs within the, the division itself? So the, the, the Prison Train Canine Companion Program that I supervise is one of 47 different cost centers under Colorado Correctional Industries, mm -hmm. and Colorado Correctional Industries is a division of the Colorado Department of Corrections. So we're uh, kind of nested underneath corrections overall, okay. and we provide different jobs. There's the WIP program that trains horses, there's, there's saddle shop, there's fish hatchery, there's greenhouse, there's all these other different programs, farm, dairy, so all these other programs provide opportunities for offenders to learn skills. 
and just develop different skills, whether or not they actually go out into the world and do what they what they do here mm-hmm. in correctional industries. It still provides them with a skill set of learning how to do things and put things together and organize their time and work as a team. And that's a lot of the benefit for the canine program. It's just learning how to work with people, how to communicate. There's so many different opportunities. That's what our program does. Is this just in Colorado or, or is it, do they incorporate it in other states? Because this sounds like something every state needs. Well, it, I mean, there is a national organization of Correctional Industries Association. Okay. It does, yes, it does occur in every state in one way, shape, or form. And there is some form of a dog training program in every state of the union. What criteria do they have to meet to be a part of this program? Um, as far as offenders go, obviously, mm-hmm. we're looking for someone that's got a GED. They okay. have to have a GED. They have to be on their best behavior. So they can't have any negative behaviors documented in their work history or their, their history for at least six months. Okay. Um, so they, they have to demonstrate through their behavior, their documented behavior, that they're committed to changing and being better people. Obviously, we want to make sure that they've got a GED. They go through that process within the correctional facility. They get education opportunities. So there's a lot of opportunities people have inside corrections that maybe they don't have or take advantage of on the outside for whatever reason. So and they got to have that GED because they need to be able to read and write and understand our curriculum. Does being part of the program take off more, take off anything off their sentence? Or what does that do? It provides them with skills. So there are some programs that do like a day for day, they get good time. Okay. Our particular program does not offer that at this time, Mm -hmm. but it's something that we've looked at in the past. So what are the requirements for the dogs that are selected to be part of this program? Because there's so many out there. So you take them from shelters, correct? Well, so our primary focus actually is training dogs for the public. Okay. We, that's the bulk of our business. What supports our operation is the fees that we get from training dogs that are owned by private individuals out in the community. Okay. So the, um, but we do take, well, we call them CI dogs. So our own program dogs that we get from rescues or shelter partners. Sometimes we also are donated dogs by private individuals if they can no longer keep them or, or if they just want to give a dog to the program. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a dog that's going to be a good candidate for adoption. You know, we, we definitely want younger dogs, dogs that do not have any severe aggression, that are amenable. Obviously, we have some size limitations within facilities. So we're looking for your kind of typical family dog, but that comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. And the function of the dogs that we take into our program from these sources is that they actually help train new offenders in the program how to learn how to train a dog. Because we want to make sure as they progress through the program, there's three different levels. They start as a beginner. I mean, they don't always come to us with any experience at all. Mm-hmm. 
And so we teach them how to do that with a very structured criteria. And the curriculum is laid out in like an eight-week program. So they will have a CI dog for eight weeks and train that dog up. And that's the dog that we place up for adoption on our website. And it also helps them learn how to do that. So once they've trained a number of program dogs, then and progress to the intermediate or even the master handler level. That's where they've demonstrated that they they get the curriculum, they they have the skills, the aptitude to train a dog, and only then are they given a privately owned dog to train because they have a much shorter time period to train that dog to make a an impact on that dog's training and behavior. So the dogs that we train for private individuals, we only have for four-week intervals. So we, we can have them for longer than that, but it's a minimum of four weeks in training. And so that's not a whole lot of time to make a huge difference. So we want to make sure that those handlers are skilled. Right. And the dogs that we take in from shelters and rescues help us give the handler the skill set to train a privately owned dog. The dogs that you do take in from rescues and shelters, how are they paired with the inmates? That is really dependent on the inmate's skill level. Okay. So we're looking at what their needs are. And actually, when they start out, we would give them maybe a dog that's already got some training on it mm-hmm. so that they can see what a trained CI is going to look like. And it helps build their confidence. And then when they're ready, then the instructor actually makes that determination. And they kind of evaluate the dogs that handler is trained and maybe what they what challenge they might be up to for another dog, for a brand new dog that has absolutely no training on it. So where do your trainers come from and what are the specifications, the qualifications they need to work for this program? The qualifications to be an instructor are from a varied number of disciplines. Okay. So anything within the animal industry means I've got a sheltering background, animal sheltering, Mm -hmm. welfare. I mean, we want them to be well-rounded, so they don't necessarily just have skills in dog training, but also dog handling or nutrition or boarding or breeding or showing, grooming. So all of our instructors have a lot of different experience in a lot of different areas, not just dog training. Are the inmates taught all of these aspects? Actually, they are. Wow. So, so again, we want this program to be kind of well-rounded. So there's, there's a chapter in the curriculum about animal welfare and rescue dogs and, and what that looks like. And there's a chapter on basic care. Mm-hmm. Um, we want them to be able to recognize, you know, diseases. Obviously, they are not qualified to diagnose, but for common illnesses and ailments that pets get, mm-hmm. we want to give them just a very baseline knowledge so that they can recognize if, if the dog that they're taking care of, you know, has, has a runny nose or a goopy eye or uh, maybe a skin lesion or something that needs to be addressed and right. seen by the vet. So they're responsible for these dogs in their care 24-7. The dog is actually housed in a kennel in their cell. Wow. 
So the dog is with them 24-7, and it's a one-to-one ratio. It's one handler, one dog, and they they are charged with the total care of that dog, the feeding, any medications they might be on. They actually learn how to do a body condition evaluation on that dog when it comes in, when it's given to them. They do like a, we call it a vet check, and it's basically looking at the teeth and the ears and the eyes and checking the coat and and the leg, just giving it a, an overall assessment, evaluation of it, you know, its weight, its body condition. And they learn all of that. They also learn a little bit of basic grooming. When the dogs come in, they get bathed. And when there's, it's a privately owned dog, they get bathed before they go home. So they're nice and clean and fresh and freshly trained. That's incredible. Uh, so, so all aspects. You know, we even have a chapter in there that talks to them a little bit about starting their own business and and the things they need to look for and and how to do that. Even the dogs who are there for private citizens to be trained are with their person 24-7? Yes, they're with them throughout the whole term of their training. That's wonderful. So what are the qualifications for the dog to be ready for adoption? That really is dependent on the individual. On average, when they have at least three weeks of training on them. We've got we've had some time to evaluate them. The handler has had some time to work with that dog. And then the instructor will evaluate if they're ready to go up for adoption. And then we will go ahead and post them for adoption on our website when they're about halfway through their training because we would like for people to start meeting them when we feel like they're ready. So that's generally how that goes. And then once a person... Um, sees a dog on our website, if they've submitted an application and they're up on the list, our dogs that we adopt out are in very high demand because they come with all this training. Mm -hmm. So we basically run wait lists. It's not like trying to adopt a dog out of a shelter Mm -hmm. where you go and you kind of shop, you're window shopping and you go down the row and look. We ask for an application and we're trying to do kind of a pre-screening process to make sure that that dog is a good fit for that person. And then we set up an interview and then that dog will go home after it's had eight weeks of training. Now, some dogs, I will say, if they are progressing really well or they already know a lot or that trainer has got great skills, even at their level and the dog is ready to go sooner, that's going to be dependent on how they perform in their training. And that's really up to the instructor. I know the the bond that... uh... I have with my dogs. Does it take a psychological toll on the inmates when the dog is adopted out? And if so, is there someone that they speak, can speak to for their mental health? There's no question that there's an impact when they have taken their first dog. They've been entrusted with their first dog mm-hmm. and they've seen that dog blossom in their hands yeah. under their care and training. And then when they find, when we find a new home for that dog, that, that there is a sense of loss, they do get attached. And it is emotional, especially with that first dog. What's really wonderful is that all of the handler teams work as a team. There are some handlers that are on the teams that have been there for a longer time, and they're the master handlers. They've got more skills. They've trained more dogs. They take the newer handlers under their wing. Mm. You know, they they support each other. I mean, they really do literally work as a team together 
to help each other and support each other. I mean, that's what they're expected to do. And so those are some more of the skills that they get. If there's a deeper issue, obviously they have, all facilities have clinical staff and counselors that are trained if if it's any deeper than that. Mm -hmm. But but, um, as far as generally, it would be, it's normal to Mm -hmm. expect that they would, they would feel a sense of loss, but also over time, what they come to understand is the benefit that they're giving. And that's the real payoff is when they really see, when they get the letter from somebody who's adopted a dog from us that they train, Mm. or even if it's a privately owned dog that was just put in for training for a short period of time, that's such an important part of their redemption and their understanding of what they're providing to the public, to the community. Yeah. Many of these handlers say that it's created in them a sense of confidence, self-confidence. They reconnect with their families because now they have something to share that they're passionate about. And they, they talk about the dog that they just trained and the impact they made on that family that, you know, was thinking about giving the dog up. They were at their wit's end or if they adopted a dog from us, it's been such a great companion. And they so appreciate all the effort that went into that and that the dog is loved. So they learn and see the benefit of the service that they're providing, and it helps reconnect them with their own sense of self-worth and and humanity. I mean, it's such an impactful program at so many different levels. Do you know if any of them have continued to work within the pet industry once they um, were no longer in the correctional facilities? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, they have. And they, they do. Um, so I don't have like a list readily available of <laughs> sure. that. I would love to develop it. You know, there's some restrictions on the contact that you can have mm-hmm. um, once they're paroled. But once they're actually released and free to do so, yes, we have a former handler that's working with a Max Fund shelter. They start their own businesses training dogs. That's great. And they get jobs with boarding facilities. That's something that I'm actually hoping to develop here is the list of businesses that are interested in hiring offenders that have trained with them. Mm, Nice. You know, and it's just, it's just a reference. It's it's something that they would be able to contact a person and then we can just confirm that they worked for us. And then it's really up to that person to give them an opportunity that has happened and there are several out there that have been successful and so there's even a former handler that's gone on a speaking circuit training service dogs there's a number of success stories out there probably more than i'm even aware of it's an impactful program i was contacted actually by an offender that's been out for many many years he wants to reconnect and so i'm trying to figure out a way to get him be able to contact and talk with the handler teams even though he does some dog training. Mm-hmm. What what he told me is that the skills that he learned within the program helped him be successful in a number of different ways, not just working with dogs, but in life in general. It's a huge benefit. So Again, it, it really, um, the way he described it, and, and, and that's the way I described it at the outset, was that the dog was the catalyst. It was the thing that kind of, that dog and having that dog broke through the shell or the barrier that he'd created in himself. And it does that to so many of them. There's so many stories they tell of, of how being in this program has changed their life. 
Well, that kind of answers all of the next questions. <laughs> I mean, um, do you have any, I, I know you said you haven't been there that long, but he sounds like one of a, a very good success story. Are, are there any others that, that you can recount that are just memorable as far as successes are concerned? I mean, it, it's hard to pick, it's hard to pick one. Sure. Um, you know, the ones that I know about are doing great and we're very proud of them because they represent what we offered. And it's just a chance. It's an opportunity. And then they, it, it just helps them build the self-confidence to take it to that next level. You know, that's kind of the key. It's just, it's a stepping stone to help them kind of reimagine what their lives could be once they get out. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure that it's easy to lose hope. A lot of the situations that get them into prison are, are hopeless situations. Mm -hmm. So to have opportunities for them to realize that they, that they do have value and they do have worth and they can be a part of a community again and that they are valued is so important. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about your program? I really think that it's important for people to understand that it's about people. Yes, it's a dog program, mm -hmm. but but the bigger picture is is helping people and that these are people. Yes. Um, they have feelings, they've made mistakes, but that there are ways to help people be better if they want to be. Since 2002, this program has helped thousands of dogs and in turn saved so many people too. I will post links to their incredible work and adoptable dogs on our website. A Favor for Freddy was produced by me, Jill, with music written and performed by Alex Guzman with additional vocals by Jamie Channel Guzman. Please like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you enjoy listening to podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next week, and Freddie, until forever. <laughs>